Water, water everywhere, and plenty for the garden to drink. It's been a wonderful year. There hasn't been too much water. Spring was very early, very quick, but then it got a little cooler and things are holding. We're still ahead, but the rain has been terrific. About an inch a week all spring. I can hear you people in the southwest and even in the northwest. Stay tuned. We're going to learn a little bit more about irrigation on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. Clem Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com. S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W dot com. Hello and welcome. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, the garden show, the garden radio show, the garden podcast. And some of you are listening through your computers, some of you are listening in your cars. And you can go to kendrews.com or go to kendrewsrealdirt.com. That's the Real Dirt Radio website. And you can listen to archive shows, shows that we have recorded for in the past. I think there's at least a year's worth of shows there. You can listen to the two shows about the garden tour. I've, I've pretty much recovered. The garden's recovered, too, from the garden tour and from the visit of the bear, if you were listening last week. But today we have a guest. We have Jennifer Riley Chetwind from the Rainbird Company. She's a spokesperson. And we're going to talk about saving water, water-wise applications of irrigation, a little bit about what's new. I, I know that, uh, you know how they have these whole house monitors now, computers that run your heating systems and your cooling systems. Well, they're going to have those for irrigation too. And I'm sure as, as we have started to say the new phrase, there's an app for that. You'll get a little message on your iPhone. It's going to say, hey, the garden's thirsty. It's time to water the garden. And you'll be able to just, you know, uh, punch in something into your, your phone and water the garden. And if you're in China and your garden is in, uh, in Arizona, you can water it from a great distance. Well, that hasn't happened yet. That's probably next Tuesday. But uh, we are going to talk about some developments in irrigation, some ways to save water using irrigation supplies, and uh, a little bit about how the whole thing's hooked up. And my personal interest, drip irrigation. I think the water should go directly where it's needed. And we'll discuss those things with Jennifer Riley Chetwind of Rainbird. And she's going to be with me right now. My guest today is Jennifer Riley Chetwind, who is a spokesperson for the Rainbird Company in Arizona. Rainbird is one of the top manufacturers of irrigation equipment. And when we think of irrigation in America, we think of above-ground sprinklers, and Rainbird is a major producer of all types of those products, as well as valves and timers. And one thing that interests me most, perhaps, are things like drip emitters and, and devices that deliver water directly to individual plants and to containers. Uh, Jennifer, I, I think that irrigation is kind of scary, and when you go to a website, when you go to rainbird.com and see all the different things that one can find and timers and valves and emitters and and how you have to measure and different zones it really seems mind-boggling and in my my own experience with the irrigation things is that they they also have to be minded 
quite frequently. But anyway, I'm, I'm jumping way ahead. So hi, good. how are you? <laughs> hi, thanks for having me on. You're so welcome. And uh, you're in Arizona, and that's a place that really is leading the country in water-wise gardening and ways to reduce consumption. Rainbird is actually a Southern California-based company based just outside of Los Angeles, but we have a significant presence in Tucson, Arizona. And, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around you in Tucson and realize, you know, water is a very, very precious resource and you have to use it very wisely, very intelligently. And that's what uh, our corporate philosophy is all about, the intelligent use of water. Irrigation on the whole, there's a lot to it. There's a lot more technology that goes into it than, than we might think right off the bat. So, um, if, you know, as, as much as I can do to demystify uh, the whole uh, practice, I, I will try my best. Well, uh, sometimes I see people standing in their yards with a hose and watering the lawn. And I think that if you did that, if you tried to water your lawn with a hose, you'd probably have to spend about eight hours doing it. Really, you really can't water a, a lawn with a garden hose when it needs water, as you know, because you really want to get deep watering. And it's, it's better to have more water less frequently, which I know that if you have a good irrigation system, that, that's what happens. It's funny. Uh, the probably biggest problem with, with irrigation can be overwatering. Because uh, let's say you're using a hose, you know, it, it's the rare person that's going to stand there for the 20, 30, 40 minutes that is necessary to, to lay down the water with a hose. And so often people will leave the hose and then walk away. Uh, now with an automatic system, uh, we, we see the same problem sometimes. People will just kind of guess at how much time that they, they should leave it on for. And uh, more often than not, people are using more water than is actually needed. So, so that's a big problem. That can lead to uh, fungus growing in the, in the lawn. Or what's, what's most wasteful is, uh, you know, applying too much water too quickly and not giving the ground enough time to soak it up. And that's when you see those awful rivers running down the, uh, you know, the gutters, yes. which nobody likes to see. You just know that water's going to waste. And that's something that you really can't waste, especially in Arizona and in Southern California, too. These are places with severe uh, pressures on, on the water, on the water supply. Definitely. You know, we just uh, completed a white paper. We have a series of white papers on, on the global water crisis, actually. But, you know, different solutions, everything from desalination to water repricing to how can we use uh, water for irrigation more efficiently. And, you know, this most recent paper that came out in April, uh, we found that all states, all U.S. states are, are dealing in some way with water shortages. Thirty six of those states have, you know, put restrictions on on water's use in the landscape. You know, it's not just the southwest that that is facing these problems. You know, we there have been some very high profile water related uh, issues in Georgia, North Carolina, traditionally very green parts of the country, the Midwest. No one's really immune to this. And, uh, you know, the more people educate themselves on, on how to reduce waste, the better. Well, one thing that you mentioned uh, was don't, don't drown your lawn, don't overwater. Uh, what are some of the other things that homeowners can do to save water? Well, that's, that's a top one for sure. But uh, I think a, a very important uh, uh, first step is to, to get to know 
the plants, uh, the, the type of exposure to the sun that you have on your landscape, um, the appropriate plants in the appropriate places is very important. You don't want to put uh, water thirsty turf grass in, in an area that you know is just going to be constantly uh, exposed to the sun. Um, but that being said, you know you don't you know it's, it's a very appropriate plant to, to put in many places. And if you know if you do have turf grass, you should make sure that you're watering it appropriately, not overwatering, not uh, allowing water to run off because as I said, you know, uh, the soil and the root structure can only absorb so much over a certain amount of time. But then other things to keep in mind are uh, the use of mulch to uh, um, keep the soil moist underneath. Uh, that, that helps retain some of the water that's laid down. Uh, making sure that, you know, shrubs are incorporated into a landscape, flowers, uh, a, a good landscape will really be a mix of plantings, not just entirely grass, uh, but a nice mix of grass, shrubs, trees, flowers, etc. So, so that that is you know important to to uh, put together a diverse landscape that works well to the local uh, weather conditions, and the, that includes the amount of rainfall you get, the sun exposure, the the temperatures, etc. And this seems like perhaps overwhelming to, to take into account all of these uh, factors when you're putting together your landscape. But uh, if you give it some forethought, you know, before you, you lay out your landscape, it's, it's not too difficult to do and you'll find that your water bills will go down, your plant health will increase if, if you approach landscaping and irrigation in such a logical way. But you, know, you can even do this uh, by retrofitting a system. It's very important to, to water by zones. If you have an automatic system to make sure that, you know, one zone of your automatic system is watering like plants. For instance, you, you would have one zone for your turf grass, another zone for maybe your drip or low volume irrigation applications, maybe another zone for trees, because each of those types of plants is going to have different watering needs. I know that uh, you have timers that uh, Rainbird makes timers, but do you also have water sensors that can uh, tell how much water is needed, you know, if there's rainfall so that you're not watering at the same time that it's raining? And before you answer that, I, I even wanted to think about the seasons, because if you have to adjust your timers throughout the year, you know, you don't want to be, well, of course, you, don't, you have to not use it in a cold climate in the winter. You know, I, I spoke earlier about the technology that, that's out there. Uh, more than ever before, we have you know, incredible technology that what's, what's nice and uh, kind of new about the technology now is that it's a little more intuitive. It used to be uh, purely the domain of golf course superintendents and uh, uh, farmers, you know, this uh, very high-tech, uh, cutting-edge technology that was very expensive to incorporate into your irrigation system and, frankly, very complex. But now, thanks to a lot of technological advancements, these are available to the homeowner. We have uh, um, available to us today everything from, as you said, soil moisture sensors that uh, can, can give an accurate reading of, you know, on-site, does the, does the soil need more water? Is it, is it moist enough to, to sustain the plants that are planted there? 
We have water sensors that, that sense when it's raining, rain mm-hmm. sensors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are wind and freeze sensors that sense, you know, you don't want to be watering, especially with a spray, um, you know, an above ground stream of water when it's really windy out because the wind is going to blow it away. So we have wind sensors. Wind sensors. Uh, well, Jennifer, yeah. hold, hold on just a second because I have to take a break here. But I want to remind people that they're listening to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And my guest is Jennifer Riley Chetwind, a spokesperson for the Rainbird Company. Uh, she's in Arizona. The company is located in Cal- Southern California. And we'll be right back. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello, and thank you for staying with us. It's Kendrew's, and you're listening to Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And I am speaking with a spokesperson for the Rainbird Company, Jennifer Riley Chetwin, we were talking about wind sensors a moment ago, and it does sound like it's getting pretty complex. And one thing that I'm thinking about while you're talking about all the different types of sophisticated equipment, this is this is something one should do before they put in a landscape. But what if you have a landscape and you want to add irrigation? Is that something that people can do? Certainly. Of course, like anything that you, you set out to do in a construction or construction or building environment, some of these things are easier to do beforehand. That being said, it is certainly not unrealistic uh, and is certainly very common to retrofit a house or a landscape to include automatic irrigation. And as I was talking about earlier, a lot of these uh, technologies that have become accessible price-wise and just functionality-wise to the homeowner in the last few years, really do give the homeowner a good reason to to upgrade their system. You know, they may be watering with a hose, or they may have an automatic uh, system that that truly, you know, is outdated. Now we have the ability to, um, I was talking about everything from soil moisture sensors to rain sensors to wind sensors. The kind of buzzword as of late is something called smart irrigation. And that really is uh, an automatic timer or another device that reads weather data and basically alters the watering program based on a combination of factors that all equal one, one concept called evapotranspiration. And that's how much water is the plant losing to evaporation, transpiration because of sun, because of uh, moisture existing in the soil. It it does sound very complex. The gadgets that are out there today really make it very straightforward for the homeowner to enter a few bits of data into an automatic controller. And and then that controller truly is smart and does a lot of the thinking for you, takes into consideration these weather factors and operates accordingly. Well, and a lot of people are very into their gadgets. between iPads and iPhones and everything else, that the, there's something new every day. I'm sure there's an there's an app for irrigation. I'm I'm positive. <laughs> yeah, no, there there definitely there are apps out there. In fact, uh, um, through uh, Rainbird.com, we have a whole education system, and uh, there's there's one uh, uh, kind of tutorial that walks you through how to plan your programmer and 
We've been thinking about turning it into an iPhone app, but uh, <laughs> it seems like every, every good technology this, these days is uh, converted into an iPhone app. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's terrific that you are that you have these new things and new technologies because uh, I remember when I had irrigation, I had drip irrigation on a rooftop garden, and boy, it was it was very basic and still a lot oh. a lot to maintain. And in, installation and valves, it, it gets. Uh, it gets pretty. It can get pretty elaborate, but when you're done and it and it has been done well, it's a lot less maintenance. And as you said, it's it's a way that we can save water too. It definitely is. And you know, we were talking about technology and embrace of the iPhone and these mobile technologies. You know, I think it does make it a little more accessible to the homeowner. Just being able to go online, go to a resource. You know, not to say we're the only ones out there, but but Rainbird.com is a great source of videos and how tos, and there is a lot of information out there that that can really handhold while you go through this process, and I think that's comforting uh, in in this day and age. So it's while there's there are a lot of uh, uh, options out there and a lot of uh, technologically complex solutions to, to help uh, homeowners reduce water waste in their landscape. Uh, a lot of these can be retrofitted or installed in a very straightforward way, either DIY, you know, getting out there and doing it yourself or by hiring a contractor. But there are a lot of resources to, to guide the homeowner through the process from everything from plant selection and laying out the landscape to choosing the right irrigation equipment to if it comes down to it, hiring the right professional. Just before we go, I, I did want to uh, just mention drip again too, because uh, it's not just those emitters that pop up pop up out of the ground. I guess you call those pop up sprinklers. Right, drip irrigation, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, perhaps the most efficient uh, way to irrigate. Uh, and now, you know, it's not for all applications, but increasingly, it is. Uh, its uses are being increased. Uh, it, it has traditionally been for sparse plantings like flower beds, et cetera. And, and the whole, for those listeners who aren't familiar with drip, it's basically emitters right at the, 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 the root uh, of the plant, right at the ground level, right above the root. So there's no uh, opportunity for water to be blown away. Uh, it's it's uh, emitted at a very uh, low level. We call it low volume irrigation. You measure water in drip in, uh, in terms of gallons per hour uh, instead of gallons per minute, mm -hmm. which some sprays or rotors are, are measured in. So that that paints a picture right there of how uh, how more how relatively efficient it is. But uh, recently, drip has been uh, um, incorporated in turf grass applications. Mm -hmm. So now, um, you know, uh, as appropriate, you can incorporate drip. Uh, subsurface under turf grass. So, you know, it really is uh, the wave of the future. Well, that's wonderful because I, I don't want to lose any of that water to evaporation or, as you said, too, to the wind, carrying mm -hmm. it to my neighbor. <laughs> right. But Jennifer... Uh, yeah, we don't need to subsidize our neighbor's uh, <laughs> irrigation, no, do we? No, <laughs> no. Thank you so much for speaking with me today and to my listeners. And I just want to remind everyone we've been speaking to Jennifer Riley Chetwin, a spokesperson for the Rainbird Company. And thank you again. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Ken. Okay, bye. As I mentioned during the interview, I used to use some 
drip irrigation. And uh, these days I'm not using that. I'd like to hook up some drip irrigation with spot spitters, emitters that go right to containers for my containers, and put it on a timer or maybe even get a moisture sensor so that I can automate the watering of the containers. Now, we've had a wonderful season, and there's been water just about every week, rain, and plenty of it. But those containers, especially uh, when we get towards the later part of the summer in August, they're going to have to be watered every single day. And I may, I may not be here. I may not be here to water them. So it would be great to have that automated. I, I'm all for automation. Now, in this part of the country, we don't uh, generally see sprinklers, uh, the kinds of pop-up sprinklers that are on golf courses and in corporate parks. We see them there, but in residential situations, we don't usually see the pop-up sprinklers. Uh, if you go to the home improvement box stores, you see there's plenty of it there to buy, different brands, and I guess people are installing them. But over the last uh, 15 years that I've been at this garden in New Jersey, seven years have been drought years. And there's even been a couple of years where we were restricted. We were not allowed to use sprinklers. Even though I have a well and I'm using my own water, they still, they still put restrictions on those uses. And I think that's actually a wise thing to do. And they usually do it so that uh, you can only water on an even day or an odd day or every other day, depending on your address. And uh, it, gives, it sends a message out to everyone that uh, we don't want to just water things, especially like lawn, because lawn will survive a drought. It won't look too good, but it will come back. If you're going to use the water and if you need it for sprinkling on those days that you're allowed to water, water the things that are more important. Water the trees, water them deeply, water the flower beds, the perennial borders, the shrubs, and let the lawn go. Frankly, in the years that I've been here, I think I've watered the lawn maybe in two years out of 15, and just a little bit. Uh, I mean, just once in a month. But the lawn I have here is, uh, it's hard to even call it lawn. I, I certainly can't call it turf, and it's not the kind of turf that uh, people with wonderful irrigation systems would be proud of, and uh, I don't think you could play golf on my lawn. My lawn is made out of broadleaf weeds and clover and many kinds of grasses, and even some grass weeds that I'm mowing occasionally when I get around to it. I've never fed the lawn, and I don't intend to. I have spread some compost on parts of the lawn where it's looked a little thin or it's worn out, and that does wonders. A very thin layer of compost raked into the right on top of the lawn and raked down so you can hardly see it, like a half inch of compost. And you'd be surprised, in a week, that lawn is looking better. Uh, it's more vigorous, more blades of grass have come up. So I do do that, but I, I don't feed the lawn. Uh, these days I'm only feeding certain parts of the garden, and I'm feeding them completely with organic things. And as you know, I'm working on this year-long project to get my compost tea started. I'm still working on that, still learning about it, but that will be something that I hope to do in 2010. Uh, maybe I should make that a resolution to do that. Well, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm getting set up, and I'm going to get some good fungi and bacteria all cooking in my compost tea brewer, and I'll be spraying that. And for lawn, you want a nice bacterial-heavy uh, 
probiotic um, compost tea to spray on the lawn. And for the beds and the trees, you want a, a heavily fungal, with good fungal, good funguses, good fungi. Well, that's that's the project for the future. Uh, but it's been wonderful that the rain has filled in when I've needed it this year. One thing I'd like to add to our discussion is to water early in the morning. And if you have your irrigation or your sprinklers on a timer, set it for like 5 a.m., water or 4 a.m., 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., so that the water doesn't just evaporate in the sun. That's a good way to save a lot of water is to water early in the morning. Not at night, because then you don't want your plants to stay wet overnight. The whole idea of irrigation to someone who lives in the Northeast, it, it seems... Maybe it seems a little odd, or certainly something that we don't think of first, because we do have uh, often, in my area, almost 50 inches of rain a year, and it comes just about once a week, just about an inch, except for the month of August, when it hardly rains at all. Well, join me next week for another edition of Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. <laughs>